Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is John Keeley and this is the podcast segment of the show that is not broadcast on KALA. Our guest for the 439th show is Dr. Dan Davis, Associate Professor of Classics at Luther College, who will be talking to us about the Caesarea excavating the city of Herod. Our history buffs for today's show are Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. Terry, you get to start us off this time. All right, thank you. Yes, Dan, I had read that Caesarea had undergone several conquests. And so my question is, do you find evidence of that in your archaeological digs? Are there things that we would call destruction layers? We do. We do. There are destruction layers um, all over Caesarea. It underwent so many different occupations by different people who came in and violently took over the city. Um, there's uh, the, the largest reminder of that is the, is the 30-foot deep moat that is carved all the way around the excavation area. It was carved by, I believe, the French king, Louis XI, um, sometime in the 12th century. And it was cleaned out, and so it's a moat today. And then that moat is defined by the castle walls, these European glass e castle walls that that tower uh, really above our excavation area. So all of that is is medieval, right? It's it's uh, from the from the 11th and 12th century, and um, just to build just for for the Crusaders to build that moat, they had to destroy you know a lot of the original city that was buried by that time, and in addition to that. They, uh, the Crusaders themselves were dislodged, you know, by um, by various Mamluk generals who came in and laid siege to the city. And there are destruction levels, um, and 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 we rely on those for for dating the uh, the excavation units that we're responsible for. Right. Can you talk to us about the difference between doing an excavation in a built-up area like Caesarea? and uh, someplace that's a little more uh, distant. So I know uh, when I was an undergrad, I had some professors who had worked in Qumran, and I, I betting that you had nicer accommodations to return home to at the end of the day than they did. That, that's correct. I, I'm used to shipwrecks, right? Shipwrecks are, you know, they're single events. Right, so you don't really have to worry about stratigraphy and dating different levels. You just have to date the ship somehow. And uh, I've been doing that for years and years. And then my friend Joe Reif at Vanderbilt asked me to come and work on land for him. And all of a sudden, um, I've had to, I've had to polish the skills that I had learned as an undergraduate and and try to, you know, and try to uh, get really good at reading stratigraphy. That is the different layers that we that we excavate. Uh, that is in, in a in a city environment in an in a heavily urbanized environment like Caesarea. It's the it's it's the most complex kind of archaeology you can do. Here's an example: we're working in uh, in the first couple of seasons. We've been working in just simply the 19th century. Right, we're working on structures that were built in the 19th century. In the floor of one of those structures that we uh, that we we were excavating, turns out to have had a capstone. To it like a like a stone in the floor that was the capstone to a cistern that dated back 800 years prior <laughs> to to that uh, to that upper floor 
So just within like one one stratum, like one layer, there's a almost a thousand year difference in time. And so we have to figure out how to map that. We have to figure out how to make sense of it in our heads. Because as you go deeper, you go further back in time. And there are these, you know, these axes of time and, 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 and space that you always have to keep straight in your notes. And it is complicated. Okay, to ask the question then, um, when you were talking about, um, you were talking about how Pompeii, a bunch of it is still isn't ex- excavated because they're, they're hoping that greater technology will come along and mm-hmm. provide more answers. Um, what is the, um, what's the estimated square miles, or what do they predict was the the total size? of Caesarea at its apex and what is it in com- comparison to now because you said you've had people take it and retake it for thousands of years so yeah. what is the get what is the um, archaeological guesstimate I guess is what I'm asking oh sure the, the archaeological guesstimate for the size is about 1.6 maybe 1.7 square miles something like that uh, at its peak it's estimated that that Caesarea had uh, its maximum population of around 125,000 people. In and what? And what was that? One point? Uh, how yeah, about one and a half to 1.8 square miles. Wow. Yeah, people would have been living on top of each other, but also keep in mind that people lived outside the city walls too, right? Yeah. Out, out in the countryside, and those farms um, uh, and villages that lie outside would have been part of the same population as Caesarea. So would you say that total area is maybe, what, um, 50, 10, 15 square miles? I mean, because 100,000 people is a lot of people back then. It, it is, but most of them concentrated in the city. Yeah, they would have been living on top of each other. They're, like Rome, there probably would have been two, three, or four-story apartment buildings all over the place. Um, and, yeah, you have a dense urban environment with, uh, <laughs> with personal space, right, kept at a minimum. And immense heat. That always goes well. <laughs> um, Brett, you got a question. I do have a question. Um, returning to this idea of Caesarea as a as a port city, you talked a lot about what was being shipped out. What was being brought in? What were the hot ticket items to ship into uh, Judea at this time? Yes, the stuff that was coming into Caesarea uh, fed the population of Caesarea. So you would have had foodstuffs, especially grain uh, in higher volumes, perhaps, coming up from Egypt. Uh, Caesarea was along a trade route that stretched from Egypt to Caesarea to, say, Syria and what is today southern Turkey and Cyprus. And the natural currents and the natural, um, you know, patterns of the winds would have taken ships sort of in that, in that um, counterclockwise route. So ships that departed Egypt, for example, bound for Rome, which is to the northwest of Egypt, would have gone to Caesarea first and touched, port, touched land there, probably, you know, um, resupplied with water and food for the crew and the passengers before heading out. Um, but they probably would have been bringing... Um, you know, the kinds of goods that people living in a big city would consume, uh, such as the goods uh, and produce of Egypt. I'm talking about textile, not just food, but textiles, um, you know, uh, items of clothing aside from textiles, like, you know, jewelry and that sort of stuff. Um, and um, 
uh, from Egypt, you know, papyri. <laughs> that is stuff for, for, uh, for, for, for writing books. Also would have been imported into Caesarea, which was known for its libraries. So uh, it's not all coming from Egypt, of course. Stuff was coming in from Rome. But this is mostly passengers going in and out in addition to the luxury goods. Okay. Terry. Yeah, Dan, you mentioned that Caesarea began around 11 or 10 B.C. Yeah. So I'm wondering, if we go there today, would we see biblical references to this place? Um, or would we need a tour guide um, to experience that? Um, because they say, you know, Paul, for example, was in prison there for two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, there's no signage there showing where Paul was in prison, unfortunately. Um, not much of the site has actually been excavated. Now, the main parts have. You go, you know, where the temple platform used to be and where the crusader walls now are, that, that area is, is, is being investigated right now by the team I belong to. And it's been investigated over the last 20, 30 years pretty well. And uh, so that, that's very well known. But the suburbs, hardly anything has been excavated. On the north side of the city, almost nothing has been excavated so far. Um, south of the city, we have the Hippodrome, which is the horse race track. Uh, we have uh, the theater, which is in really uh, good shape. Uh, we have some of the fortification walls. There's signs of a cemetery to the to the south. Um, and then there are you know a couple of of uh, neighborhoods, and the governor's palace is 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 located in this zone that I'm talking about. But otherwise, we don't know um, most of the city. I would say the majority of the city remains unknown. So those Christian places that we're talking about, where Paul was imprisoned, where where Peter came in and and uh, preached and converted Cornelius in the in the Book of Acts, mm-hmm. we, we don't we just don't know where those places are. Okay. The final question I'd like to ask, you said this um, area has been ransacked more times than you could ever count. Um, And the thing about Israel is um, is there's a lot of parts where, of course, it was uh, controlled by Christians and then Muslims and, of course, now with the status today. Are there any um, Ottoman or other heritage points in the area that, you know, previous must Muslim civilizations have set up or established that it had had survived the ransacking uh, yeah the short answer is yes um, in the in some of the outlying towns uh, for sure there are heavy uh, Arab populations uh, Muslim speaking populations um, we're not too far from uh, from the West Bank and from Palestine right. uh, so those areas are I would say legacy areas of uh, of the Ottoman settlements. Uh, from the from the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th century. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We would like to thank our guests for the 439th show, Dr. Dan Davis, Associate Professor in Classics at Luther College, who talked to us about Caesarea, excavating the city of Herod. The History Buffs for today's show were Brett Menard and Terry Toppler. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, 88.5 FM and 106.1 FM in the Quad City region at 9.30 p.m. You can also listen to the show as it's being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. 
Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put KALA Radio in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find ROI shows. You can also find ROI on all your favorite streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. This is ROI, which is recorded at station KALA, St. Ambrose University.